All right, my name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors. I'm glad, glad you're here. Um, we, you know, we, uh, I talk about this all the time, but we, we come here, um, most of us, at some point in our life, this playing God thing we were trying to do doesn't work. And we finally get to the end of ourselves and we realize that we're not exactly doing well. And so we start looking for answers. And often we stumble into a place like this and we wonder, is it possible that God could be the answer? Is it possible that Jesus could be the answer? And, and we're not really sure, but we think somehow if we learn more about God, if we learn more about Jesus, that we can make an intelligent decision when it comes to religion. And the problem with that is that God never came here asking us to know about him. And so what happens is, as we begin to learn about him, as we begin to study, we discover that what's happening is much more intimate, that as we're learning facts, our hearts are actually connecting in relationship. And we can't explain it fully, but, but somehow, as we begin to study, as we begin to turn our focus towards God, he meets us there and we begin to see the world in a different way. It's literally like scales have been taken off. And, and then we keep pursuing that and eventually we, we begin to understand that we're a completely different person and we didn't do it. That somehow we've been changed from the inside, that our faith in Jesus has made us new creatures. And I, and I say it all the time that there are a lot of people who are humans on this earth trying to have a spiritual experience. And we discover that we're spiritual beings now having a human experience because we've been transformed. And the more we surrender, the more God transforms us. The more we get rid of us and open up to him, the more we see our lives change in an incredible way. And I didn't think it was possible. I, I, I just thought it was, there's no way I thought I'd ever be up here teaching God's word. I thought that's just nuts. But I know God transformed my life and I know he can transform yours. And it doesn't matter where you are, how far from God you've been, if you've been attending church, for your life and you're still at a point where you go, you know what, I know a lot about him, but I can't say that I know him. This is a great place for you. And so we come back every week trying to learn more so that we can surrender more. And today we're gonna start a new series. This will be one of the shortest series I ever do. It's only three weeks, uh, which I know, amazing. But um, uh, I called this, this series Anxious About Nothing. Because in scripture, we're told to be anxious about nothing. And I'll tell you, just turn on the news, they're trying to get you to be anxious about everything. And so the more you listen to other people, the more you listen to the world instead of God's word, the more you find that feeling starting to rise up. So for the next three weeks, we're gonna explore what God has to say in the Bible about our favorite pastime, worry. Some people are really good at it. Really good at it. I was at one point in my life, I was the world's best worrier. I worried for people who didn't worry. I worried that they weren't worrying. Now this is a good topic because in our world, more people are worried now than probably ever before. With all the things going on in the world with COVID, rising inflation, the global economy, global warming, the supply chain politics, and then we have all the normal stuff that happens. Floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, Earthquakes, crime, drugs, you name it, it's out there. And it can cause a lot of uncertainty. It can cause a lot of concern. It can cause a lot of anxiety and stress and worry. So we thought it might be interesting to see what God has to say about worry. 
See if there's any life lessons we could learn from his word on this topic. And fortunately, we're going to see that worry is not new. That it was a primary problem in the early first century. People in the early church were freaked out about worrying about things too. And it turns out Jesus had a lot to say about worry and anxiety. In fact, over the next three weeks, we're going to learn that Jesus has a solution to worry that you'll not find in any self-help book, that you won't find in any relaxation seminars or meditation groups or self-discovery groups or escape weekends or even fidget toys. Jesus, we will see, took a radical and yet life-changing approach to the subject of worry. We're excited that for our church over the next few weeks that we can learn together to face the future the way God told us to face the future in his word. We're going to be in the sixth chapter of Matthew today if you want to head that direction. Also, I want you to know that I have by no means this topic mastered. As almost everything I preach on, I am messed up more than you guys are, but I'm learning. Now, I'm not telling you how great the lessons are that I've learned about worrying. I'm passing them on to you. I'm still learning with you. I'm together with you. We're going to learn together what we need to do, and then we're going to help each other apply it. So what are you afraid of? Think about that for a minute. Fear acts on the mind to create a physiologic response that we call stress or anxiety. It's the fight or flight response. It's normal to a perceived threat. If there's a real threat there, God has given us a mechanism to protect ourselves. But yet, yes, everyone fears. Fear is not always sinful. You send your son off to war. Your child gets their driver's license. Your daughter goes out with that hairy-legged boy on their first date. There are real fears, and everyone has them. Fear is our response to danger that is either real or perceived, but the response is the same regardless of whether the fear is real. To the person who experiences it, there's no such thing as irrational fear because to them it's totally rational. Fear is vision without optimism. Fear is looking into the future and assuming bad. Fear is looking ahead and being fearful of all the bad things and not acknowledging anything that's optimistic or positive. So what are some perceived fears? I wonder how many chlorophobics we have in there. Any chlorophobics? Anybody? Chlorophobics? I am. I'm a chlorophobic. Anybody? I thought you'd ask. Let's put up the slide. Any chlorophobics in the room? Chlorophobics are people who are fearful of clowns for good reason. I'll just give you a little advice. If you ever see a clown after midnight, things are not good. Okay? How many iatrophobics do we have? Iatrophobics? Iatrophobics. Okay? There's one in the back. Iatrophobics? Let's show it. It's a fear of doctors. How about astrophobia? Maybe astrophobics? Astrophobics are fearful of, go ahead and show it, lightning. 
Thunderstorms, astrophobics. Maybe you're an astrophobic. Maybe summer here is really bad for you. How about, well, let's just, okay, this one, I'm surprised anybody has this, but let's just put it up. There are people who are deathly afraid, fearful to a point of knees. Knees, just letting you know, knees. It's the highest feared body joint in the world, just so you'll know. The next one, um, let's see, is the next one the last one? No, my, slide, my numbers are off. Okay, so let's put up the next one. Fear of teenagers. Anybody fearful of teenagers? And the one that I think most of you all have. You don't know it, but you have it. Let's put that one up. Fear of sermons. There is an actual fear of sermons. Homilophobia. Fear of sermons. So... If you're there, you're in good company. Now, I looked to see if there was a specific one of fear of how long sermons last, and I couldn't find it. One of the most common repeated instructions in the Bible is fear not. Fear not. It's in the Bible everywhere. Every time an angel shows up, fear not, too late. Every time an angel, every time something amazing happens, fear not, it's too late, I'm out, I'm down, it's done. Fear not can sound like a command. It can seem harsh and insensitive. Fear not. But fear not is actually an invitation. Let me repeat that. Fear not is a command, but it's also an invitation. It's God's way of saying, there's a choice here. I'm inviting you to choose not to fear. You can fear if you want, but I'm choosing, asking you to trust me and not fear. Fear not means don't fear. It's an invitation. It's God's way of looking you in the eye, in love, and saying, fear not, I'm your dad. I love you. I have this. You're not alone. I'm with you. It's going to be all right. Jesus invites us to look into the future and fear not. Some take fear not to be a command to be lazy. Scriptures clearly instruct us to prepare for the future. Some of us are lazy, irresponsible, or immature, and we don't plan. We don't do our best. We don't work hard. We don't try to do our part in the situation. Because we figure if Jesus said, fear not, then we'll just kick back and wait for him to fix everything. If that's you, you need to fear. No follower of Jesus is to have a lazy, unprepared, passive, or half-hearted approach to the future. It seems the entire book of Proverbs and numerous other passages in Scripture instruct us about working hard, giving God your best effort, planning for the future, managing your resources, storing up what you need, preparing, anticipating your future, and getting ready for it. Nowhere in the Bible are we told to just sit around and let God take care of everything. We're told to plan and prepare, but we're told to not freak out about it. Do all that you can do and then trust God with the part only God can do. You see, worry is all based on you don't know when to stop. 
Okay, you see, there's a time of concern with circumstances. We get concerned about something. That's normal. That's logical. We prepare. We do what we can do. We accept the circumstance we're in. We ask God to help us. And with every ounce of our being, we prepare for what's coming. But there's a point where the preparations are done. And then it's time to hand it over. I've done all that I can do. Now God has to do the things that only God can do. The goal is to be ready for the future and trust God in it, not be preoccupied about it and worry about it. Every fear is an opportunity to either run to or from God as the source of your comfort and hope. Every fear. How cool is it that Jesus happens to teach on the very thing that most people struggle with? Most commonly prescribed drugs in our society are antidepressants and anxiolytics, anxiety medicine. All the top 10 reserve for, reserve for things like insomnia. People are anxious and stressed out. They are freaked out. And they're struggling. And Jesus loves us so much that he wants us and he wants to help us with fear and worry. The great American pastime is to worry and feed the worry of other people and get other people to worry with you because somehow that's supposed to make you feel better. He understands, don't miss this, because he walked on this planet. He's not some God that doesn't know what it's like to be in a human experience. We don't pray who a God who can't identify with our fears and worries. Jesus tries to lead us in a new way of life because it's good for us and he loves us. It saddens him to see us worried when he has everything covered. At one point, Jesus looked over a crowd and he said he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus loves us. He doesn't want us harassed and helpless. He wants us to stop worrying. But fear manifests itself as anxiety and worry. It's the emotion that's behind the action of worry. There are many definitions of worry, so let me just give you mine. Worry is a preoccupation with both predicting and trying to control the future. Said another way, worry is you being a false prophet. Predicting the future and almost always being wrong. Now there are all kinds of worriers and many are represented in our audience today. Some of you need to check your pulse because you never worry about anything. You don't even know what we're talking about. I mean, literally, I mean, nothing phases you. You're not worried about it all. In fact, your wife or husband and others are worried about you because they can't get you to worry with them. So you're in that group. You can probably check out for a little while. Just, you know, do your thing. We'll get back to you. Chill out. I don't have to tell you that, do I? No, just chill out. That's what you've been doing. It's the way it works. Then there are those at the opposite extreme, and, and they worry about everything. Your friends are arranging interventions to keep you from worrying so much. You carry around the burdens of the world as if it's yours to solve, so you worry, 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 and you feel like if you worry, somehow you have control. It's as if you feel like God has given you the spiritual gift of worry. Other people don't have to worry so much because you've got it covered for them. 
So you worry about everything and it drives you crazy. You want to stop, but you don't know how. You've tried to worry less, but that's like trying not to think about something. It just makes you do it more. You worry that you're worrying too much or maybe not enough. You're a false prophet. You, you, you predict the future and you're usually wrong. Your future's bleak and it'll freak you out until it doesn't happen. Wait for that one. Your future's bleak and it'll freak you out until it doesn't happen. And then today comes and you got a whole nother future to worry about. Then the rest of us are somewhere in the middle, but with all this happening in the world, we find ourselves more worried than ever before. We start to play the what if game and then our thoughts start racing down a path that never existed. Research shows that only 8% of the things people worry about are legitimate matters of concern. 92% were either imaginary, never happened, or involved something that people had no control over anyway. Walt Whitman says this, I've experienced many horrible things in my life, some of which actually happened. Does that describe you? Jesus said, if you think you can add a single hour to your life by worrying, then he goes on to explain that if worrying doesn't extend your life, if worrying has the potential to shorten your life, and if worrying doesn't enhance or improve whatever you consider more important than your life, why in the world should we worry? Doesn't make sense at all. It's totally illogical. So as your pastor, I just want to say to you, stop it. Stop it. You're choosing it. Stop. Let's pray. No, that's not it. I wish it could be that simple though, right? Just tell yourself to stop. We all know rationally it makes no sense. And yet the topic of worry fills bookshelves, talk shows, internet sites, and drives a large part of our consumption mentality in advertising. As soon as you buy a car, they make you worry that you didn't buy the newer car. As soon as you buy a tire, you didn't buy the tire that protects your children. As soon as you buy anything, it's not good enough. A new one's out. Every year, a whole new identical things get relabeled the next year and they convince you your old stuff doesn't work. And even though we have all these resources to help us with worry, we still haven't solved the problem. Why is that? Because worry is not the problem, it's the symptom. Worry is not the problem, it's the symptom. A symptom of a much bigger problem in your life. Please make sure you tune in right here. If you're asleep, it's time to wake up just for a minute. The problem is the focus of our devotion. That's the problem. In other words, the disease we have is that we're focusing on the wrong things. And the symptom of that disease is worry. That's what we're going to explore over the next three weeks. We're going to look at what Jesus has to say about worry. We try to deal with worry in the emotional or physical realm. We tell ourselves to calm down, to take deep breaths, to get some sleep, to meditate, to relax, to pamper ourselves. But Jesus says, look, I want to take away the mystery of worry I want to move it out of the emotional realm and deal with it as a devotion issue. 
a spiritual devotion issue. Jesus is always using the physical to describe the spiritual. You see, worry identifies your greatest devotion. Worry identifies your greatest devotion. I say it all the time. Worry is a warning light on the dashboard of your life that you're focusing on something other than God. If you want to know what thing you're most devoted to, examine what you worry about. Jesus is going to teach us the things that you worry about reflect your core devotion. And then he's going to give us keys to resolving worry, and it's reflected in this question. What would happen in your life if when difficult, concerning times came, you shifted your devotion? It's an amazing thought when you think about it. The Bible's awesome and Jesus is brilliant, and this is where he's going to take us in the next few weeks. What if you choose to change your devotion? Let's jump into this discussion that Jesus launches on the topic of worry. It's interesting that when Jesus decided to teach on worry, he did so in the context of another topic. Guess what topic he launched his discussion about worry with? Let's read. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Can you believe it? Jesus going right after your stuff. You're worried about everything. He wants your stuff. You want to learn about worry and anxiety, and Jesus goes to your stuff. Jesus, are you kidding me? I'm freaking out. What does my stuff have to do with my stress? Is this just another sermon where you church people take my money? Jesus was like, I'm not trying to take your stuff. It's mine anyway. I'm trying to take your stress, and your stress is connected to your stuff. Interesting. If you ask people what they're most worried about today, it's not COVID, it's money. What an amazing coincidence. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, how lucky we are that he taught on this topic. It's such a coincidence. He knew that every person throughout all of human history would struggle with devotion to money or devotion to God. The latest poll says that 70% Americans are most concerned about their personal finances and the finances of the country. So Jesus is looking to the future, to us, and he says, why don't we discuss and launch a discussion on worry around the topic of money? This is unexpected. I've never read a self-help book, a book on stress reduction that's, that focuses on my stuff. Also, do you see the word devoted? This is going to come up over and over in the discussion. You can't be fully devoted to God and be fully devoted to your stuff or your comfort. You can. You have to decide which one you're going to be most devoted to. You're going to be forced to make decisions to place your God values over your self-help, self-functioning stuff values. When it comes down to it, you got to know who you're most devoted to. And the way you find out who you're most devoted to is to get in a situation where there's concern that you can do nothing about and see if you're still trying to fix it or if you've turned it over to God. 
Therefore, I tell you, he says. Whenever you see the word therefore in scripture, ask yourself what it's there for. It always connects the previous thought to the first thought, to this thought. What Jesus is doing is connecting what he just spoke about. You can't serve God and your stuff with what he's about to say next. What do you expect him to say next? He just said you can't serve God and money. What you'd expect him to say is give everything away so you'll be fully devoted to God. That's what I would expect him to say. You can't serve God and money, so give away everything. Most likely, we would then just worry about how to get it back. The problem is not having money. The problem is money having you. It's a problem with your devotion. So Jesus continues. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Don't be anxious about life. Wow, Jesus, that's really broad. What do you mean? He says, I know what you think about every day. You wake up and wonder what you're going to eat. They live in a different time than we did. They didn't have food stored up. They had clothes that wore out. They were worried about different things. What are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? That's what they were concerned about. Jesus would say, look, I don't want you to worry about that stuff. Today it would sound different. He might say, don't worry about if you're going to be able to retire. Don't worry about whether or not your kids are going to get into school of their choice. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to be single the rest of your life. Don't worry about what will happen if you get COVID. Don't worry about who the president is or who the president is not. Don't worry about whether or not you'll be able to find the job that you love. Don't worry about what the doctor did or did not say. Don't worry about keeping your job. Don't worry about your industry. Don't worry about the prodigal son or your prodigal daughter. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about if you'll ever have children. Don't get mad at me. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. There's nothing in your life that he wants you worried about. Worry is a completely worthless activity and it chokes you emotionally and dries you up spiritually the problem with worrying about the future is that it steals your present the problem about worrying about the future is that it steals your present see Jesus was the master of living in the moment Yes, the cross is tomorrow, but that's tomorrow. Let's celebrate tonight. Incredible. He lived in the moment. He didn't let his past hold him back. He didn't spend his whole life regretting and fearing what happened in the past. He didn't worry at all about what's happening in the future. Every time he was with somebody, he was in the moment. Tells us to model the same. Worry steals your present. You're so worried about tomorrow, you don't remember what you did today. And you were completely ineffective for the kingdom during the 10 days that you worried about something that never happened. Satan knows that. That's why he's got you all wired up. Okay, so Jesus, you're saying those things are not important. But we have to eat. We have to wear clothes. No one wants cancer. No one embraces infertility. No, Jesus would say all those things are very important. Your retirement, academics, jobs, Industries, children, bank account, health, 
He'd say, those are very important. They're so important, you need to hand them to me. As Christ followers, we're to consider and have concern about the future, but we're not to worry or obsess about what will happen. There is a great deal of uncertainty about our future. In some areas of our life, it's not going to work out good. It's not going to work out perfect and fine. But you still don't have to worry about it. Jesus taught them and he wants to teach us there's a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow and not worry about it today. Jesus says, when it comes to your life, stop worrying. Well, then, Jesus, you better help us out. Because everything in me tells me to worry right now. He goes on and he asks a big question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That sounds like hippie talk, doesn't it? Those of you who remember the 60s, don't worry, look at the birds, look at the flowers, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're gonna drink, about your clothes, life's not about food, life's about, not about clothing. Isn't life about more than food and clothing? It sounds like hippie talk. Jesus, are you serious? I'm stressing out and you're starting to sound like Tiny Tim and the tulips. All the young people are like, what? Do you see what Jesus is doing? It is so incredible and so wise. He's trying to pull us out of our hyper-focus on ourselves. Jesus is telling you, look, pull back a little bit. Look at life from a different perspective. There are components of your life that are important. Retirement, kids' success, health, getting married, having kids. Those are important things. Worthy of your consideration. But Jesus would ask, are any of these components more important than life? If you're concerned that your child doesn't get into private school, are you going to end it if it doesn't happen? These things aren't more important than your life. If these things don't go well, are you just going to check out? He just indicates that we should pull back from our focus on ourselves and get a more realistic perspective. Then he goes on and he asks what seems to be a very insensitive question. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. Are you kidding? I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I need a job. I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. My son is failing eighth grade. I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I have no transportation. I have cancer. I don't have to look at the birds of the air. My husband says he's not coming back. No offense, Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. Are you kidding me? I can't just stop and look at the birds of the air. You said, don't worry. Are we just supposed to get a surfboard and a latte and hang out in Key West? Don't worry. Look at the birds. This is the advice you have. I think Jesus will be looking at us going, let me know when you're done. Then he would say, I'm not discounting the importance of any of these things. But the reason you're so worried is that you're hyper-focused on things and your devotion goes where your focus is. Then your emotions follow your devotion and it's a big mess and you're in a tailspin. That's what happens. 
So Jesus would say, I just want to give you some advice. Change your focus. And your devotion and your emotion will change too. In other words, look at the birds of the air. Move your focus from your circumstances to the birds. Move your focus away from whatever you're hyper-focused on to anything else, something else. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. This is great, Jesus. Okay, birds are not farmers. I get it. They don't use combines or barns. They take care of business. They don't worry about it. They don't store up food because God cares for them. Look at the birds. They're just doing life. You ever look at your dog and think how great it would be to be a dog and not have to worry about anything? I look at my dog all the time. I'm like, you talk about something that can live in the moment. You can do something and it hurt them or they're mad at you. They, don't, they forget in like 10 seconds. And they don't worry about tomorrow at all. They're just in the moment. That's what dogs do. It looks so free. I love that. They don't worry about it. He's addressing their culture, and here's what he would say to us. They don't have a 401k. They don't have a college education. They didn't make their kids wear helmets so they never got hurt. And they don't buy their kids a tank to drive in so they'll be safe. In fact, birds build their nests as high as they can, and when they get tired of their kids, they push them out. Great parenting advice. Good luck. Boom, there they go. It's a parenting model for you called parachuting. I just named it. Birds of the air just go with the flow. They don't even know where they're going. They live by instinct. They live in the moment. Head south, fly in formation, build a nest. They do those things in the moment. They don't know why they do it. And the birds you cannot change. Lord knows they can't change. Lord, help them. They can't change. Won't you fly high like a free bird? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Jesus says, look, they don't even know what they're doing, and God takes care of them. Do you think God is more concerned about you that he made in his image than a bird? In the story of creation, God made a lot of cool stuff, but when he came to man, he said, this one's different. I'm making man and woman in my image. They bear my image. When I see them, I think about me. They're a reflection of me. When they see me, I want them to know how much I love them. In fact, I'm going to send a savior into the world, but I'm not sending him as a bird or a flower or a cow. I'm going to send my son into the world as a human to humans who bear my image. So before you jump back into worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, do you believe, Jesus says, that God loves you more than he loves a bird? Jesus teaches something I've never seen in any self-help book, and it's simple, significant, powerful, and it works. It seems that all self-help books focus on what you need to do internally. They're about paying attention to yourself, getting to know yourself, loving yourself, finding your center, changing your self-talk, pampering yourself, 
creating me time, getting a massage, go on a vacation, do something just for you. But Jesus redirects all the focus away from you. Jesus teaches is that the problem is all you've been doing is focusing on you. That's why you are where you are. Every thought you've had in the last 24 hours has been about you. You're hopelessly devoted to you. He wants us to redirect our focus away from us. He says that if you will, if all you do is focus on yourself, you're going to be worried and stressed out because you don't have any answers. You don't control the future. You don't know the future. If you try to figure this out on your own, you're going to worry yourself to death. Focusing on yourself does not work. Jesus is right. If focusing worked, then there wouldn't be all the books in the bookstore. There wouldn't be so many books on stress management and there wouldn't be so many prescriptions for Prozac and Xanax and Ambien. They'd all be flying off the pharmacy shelves, but it doesn't work. That's why there needs to be a new book. And the problem is all the books are focused on the wrong thing. They tell you to fix it yourself, to focus on yourself, to worship yourself. You see, worry is praying to yourself. Let me repeat that. Worrying is praying to yourself. It's treating your future as if there is no God. It's treating your future as if you don't trust God. It's treating your future as if you are the one in control, not God. It's a devotion problem. I'm telling you why you can't know where your next job is going to come from and not worry. I'm telling you why you cannot know if your kids are going to graduate and not worry. Jesus says, I'm telling you why if you're single and you don't know if you ever get married, you don't have to worry. I'm telling you, you can even have cancer and you don't have to worry. Jesus says, I'm not asking you to go into denial. I know and understand the uncertainty of your future. I'm teaching you that you can live in uncertainty and not worry. You can live in uncertainty and not worry. Jesus wants to take us somewhere. He's using this little discussion about birds to tell you and me, I'm asking you to go to a higher place. When you start worrying and worshiping yourself, I want you to stop and go to a higher place. The point is not to be irresponsible and go into denial. That doesn't work. It's called fatalism. It doesn't work. This isn't trusting in faith that somehow everything's going to work out. Jesus is inviting us to trust in the Heavenly Father. Jesus wants you to sow and reap and fill out applications and study as hard as you can and learn all you can learn and work as hard as you can. Do your best in every situation. Set goals. Make plans. Make sacrifices. Push yourself, go to the doctor, go to the specialist, do everything you can possibly do. But once you've done all you can do today, he says, I want you to relax and embrace the truth that God loves you more than the birds. You do your very best in every circumstance. But then once you know that you've done everything you can do, you're at a choice. The choice is I can sit here and worry about the future and be devoted to myself and my ability to be God or I can hand it over to God and not worry about it even though it's uncertain. 
Do all that you can possibly do today and then let it go and let God do what only he can do with the rest of it. It's a devotion issue. Jesus says if you don't like that idea or if you think it's too simplistic to work, let me remind you of the alternative. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? It's brilliant. The answer, obviously, is no one. Being anxious can make your life miserable. It might make it seem longer. I don't know. Jesus said, okay, if you think my plan's too simple, go ahead and keep worrying about what if, what if, what if, what about, what about, what about. What if I don't? What if they can't? What if she won't? What if, what if? Go ahead and get super focused on these things and then ask yourself, is what you're doing helping yourself? Jesus would ask, can you stop worrying today? Can somehow worrying today make tomorrow certain? No. If your worry isn't going to get you anywhere, he says, I have an idea. Instead of worrying, why don't we just watch some birds? Focus on this revolutionary idea that God loves you more than he loves a bird. And he takes care of their future. And if God loves me that much, and I've done all I know to do, I've sowed, I've reaped, I've stored away, I've done all that I can do today, I've done everything I have some control over, I'm going to trust God with the tomorrow that I have no control over. And if that's true, then I don't have to worry. And I'm not going to worry because I know what's going to happen in the future. I'm going to worry because I know the one that holds the future. You see, there's a point today where you've done everything you can do today, period. I don't know, maybe that ends at noon for you or five o'clock. Whatever situation you're in, there's only a certain amount you can do today. Maybe the office you need to deal with doesn't open until tomorrow. It's done. You've done everything you can do today. You have a choice. You can spend your life tonight pre-playing, worrying about, thinking about how you're going to fix the situation tomorrow, or you can say, you know what? God's got tomorrow. I want to enjoy my family tonight. I'm not going to let worry steal my present because honestly, the only life we live is in the present. You can't go back and live where you've been. You can't go forward and live what hasn't happened yet. And if you spend all your time focused on your future and worried about it, you have no present. I don't know what the future holds, but I can relax because I know the only one who holds the future. He continues, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lily of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil or spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not erased like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Doesn't that sound like your college philosophy professor? Consider the lilies. This is coming from a stonemason named Jesus. Consider the lilies. I have to admit, I, I've never considered the lilies. Never had a lily day. Never thought, I'm going to go meditate on the lily. I'm going to observe the lily and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to me deep spiritual truths from the lily. It just sounds weird, but honestly, 
Part of my problem is I haven't done it. You see, that's not what we're expecting. You don't read that in fix yourself books. Fear, anxiety, lily, or bird, take your pick. Either one, he says, anyone will work for you. You want to focus on a bird? Focus on a bird. You want to think about the lily? Think about the lily. Because they all point to the protective care of your Father in heaven. Pick anything. Lilies don't have what not to wear episodes. They don't freak out about stuff. Does that petal make my butt look big? No, okay. If God takes care of the flowers and the birds that don't really do anything, they're here one moment and gone the next, what do you think he does with people who bear his image? Our instinct is to yell, wow, future, uncertainty. What am I gonna do? What'll happen? How am I gonna get through this? Have you ever been around people that are just totally freaked out and worried about their future? I mean, totally freaked out. And not the mirror, by the way, somebody else. Totally freaked out by their future. Have you ever tried to actually reason with them? You can't. You cannot. If they're in that sense of ultimate worry, self-worship, self-thought, no matter what logical thing you tell them, it skips right over because they're not dealing with logic, they're dealing with emotion. And when you're in an emotional state, logic never works. And the reason is, worry is illogical. You can't reason with worry. I tell this all the time to people, I don't know how to live in your reality right now. I don't, I can't join you in it because it's not real. I know you're experiencing it like you think it's real, but it's not real. To those preoccupied with worry, Jesus says you're not gonna learn anything like this. If you're constantly focusing on yourself and replaying over and over, you, 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 you're never gonna learn what God wants to teach you. You're gonna have to back off of your circumstances and connect some dots with me, Jesus says, so you'll get the big picture and allow yourself to hand your future over to me. Look at what he says next. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive, thrown in the oven, will he not more clothe you? You see, worry is a devotion issue. Worry is a faith issue. Worry is an indicator of a lack of faith. You don't really trust that God has your future, so you're gonna worry about it. Worry is the light on your dashboard of life that lights up and says your faith is failing. It is a call to go back and remember who God really is and whose you really are. Our emotions get attached to things that we're most devoted to. Jesus says you're so wrapped up in your emotions, you've missed your primary devotion. Also notice that the things they worried about and the things we worry about are important things. What to eat, what to wear, what job to take, who to marry, what school to go to. What doctor to see? Jesus doesn't say, don't worry about that stuff because it's not important. In fact, he says the opposite. He says, those things are super important. Why are you trying to handle them yourself? This is out of your league. His point is not that these are things you shouldn't be concerned about. His point, these are things you shouldn't be worrying about. 
We should be concerned about a lot of things. But he says to be worried about nothing. Jesus says the issue is trust in your Father in heaven. You worry because really deep down, you don't trust God with your future. And somehow you think you can create a better future for you than he can. And here's the important thing. It's not that you can't. It's that you won't stop worrying. It is your choice. This is so powerful. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Failing to trust Jesus in difficult circumstances or in any circumstance is a choice. You get to that point where you've done everything you can do and now you've got to make a decision. Okay, God, here it is. You want me to do anything else? Let me know. I'm handing this over to you because you know tomorrow. Or, God, I've done everything I can do. There must be more I can do. I need to figure out what I need to do. I need to figure out how I'm gonna get this better. You see, I can't rest, I can't sleep. And what you're really telling God is, I don't need you for my future. I'm gonna figure it out myself. See, worry is a devotion issue. It is a faith issue. You don't have to worry. You choose it because you think it's your best option. And if you don't know Jesus, it is your only option. That's why the world's freaking out right now. As Christ followers, it is irrational and illogical to worry about the future when you know God. It makes no sense. The God of the universe holds our future in his hands. He knows the plans that he has for us. They are good, not for disaster, to give us a future and a hope. Not a future that we can worry about. He's the only one who can do anything about your future. Whatever he decides is what you're going to experience. Whatever you're experiencing right now is what God has allowed into your life to help you see what you're devoted to. To help me see what I'm devoted to. You want to know where your devotion is? Let your life start falling apart. You'll find out. Warriors express little or no confidence in God's willingness or ability to take care of him, them. They doubt God's providence and they doubt God is truly in control. That's why they choose to worry. It's failing to realize that nothing touches you that didn't first touch him. Jesus is telling us far more out of control than we could ever imagine. I know where we get stuck. We say, I know God can, but I don't know if God will. And I can't relax until I know God will. I know God can find me the perfect spouse, but I don't know if he will. I know God can heal my child, but I don't know if he will. I know God can get me the perfect job, but I don't know if he will. And Jesus says, well, maybe you don't know what God will do because you've never really trusted him. Break free from your worry and turn it over to him and watch what happens. No, it won't be a perfect, wrinkle-free life. But whatever happens, you know you're not alone. You know God has it in his hands. 
and you don't have to spend a minute of your present worrying about your future. Worry is a choice. We made the choice to not trust God with our future and we decided that we would rather worry. When we try to predict or control the future, we're trying to be God. Think how foolish that must look to God. I've got your future, you're created in my image. I got it, I got it covered, everything's good. What are you doing? Why are you trying to be me? You can't be me. It's not a sin to anticipate the future, to plan it, to be prepared for it, but when you start trying to control it to the point that you're fearful of it, and when we're anxious about it, then we're in the position that's only reserved for God. We've made the choice to focus the devotion on ourselves and our circumstances rather than choosing devotion to God. And what I think Jesus is trying to tell us is this. If it's out of your hands and you've done what you can do, don't be fearful, be faithful. If you've done everything you can do, turn it over. Hand it to God. When you find yourself worrying, go back praying and hand it to God until you're not worrying anymore. Remind yourself of who God is. Remind yourself of the birds and the lilies. What if you could wake up every day and know that God, your heavenly Father, can be trusted? How would your life change? What if you woke up every day totally confident that God loves you more than the birds and the flowers and the lilies, and he's gonna take care of you, and he's gonna take care of the people you love, and he's got your future in his hands, what would you find to worry about? You wouldn't stop worrying because now your future is certain. You don't know any more about your future now than you did any other time. You wouldn't stop worrying because you know exactly what's gonna happen in the future. You'd stop worrying because you finally trust and place your future in the only hands that can do anything about it. Next week, we're gonna study the solution that Jesus offers to those of us that are in bondage to worry. It's easy to say, don't worry. It's hard to actually implement it. We're gonna keep talking about it. He's going to show us how to shift our devotion as we continue to explore this passage in Matthew. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you knew what we'd be worried about. You knew that anytime we try to be you, that we're unqualified, that we recognize we're failing and it will cause anxiety within us. So God, would you help us this week to decide what we do and what you do, to give you the future that's in your hands, to give you the praise and glory and devotion that you deserve, to take circumstances that we're trying to control and honestly push you out of and invite you in. Help us, God, to step back from our circumstances and watch the birds and the lilies and our dog. Help us to live in the moment Help us to help each other turn to you in that moment when we have a choice. A choice to worry and miss our present or a choice to live in the present and trust you. And we ask it all in Jesus' name.